Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord one more hand of praise. He's good. He is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is so good to us. I could sit here and tell you many things that God has done in my life. And I'm just so thankful that he loves me, that I'm a part of his will, and I, I, I'm so thankful for that. Do we have any first-time visitors here? I'm going to take my glasses off. Raise your hand high. Give them a warm welcome. Amen. My name is Paul Stevens. I'm the associate pastor here, and uh, uh, I'm not the pastor. It was Kent or Kenny. One of those was the pastor. I don't know which one. But one of them was, no, Daniel Yoder's our pastor, and we love him, and uh, he'd asked me to share the word this morning, and, and I'm always grateful to share the word, amen, and I'm very thankful for that. All right, and I can't see you, so if you think I'm looking at you, I'm not, amen. So, you know, I, I, I thought a lot about this, and we speak a lot about freedom, and, 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 and freedom's been on, it's a big part of this church, and, and I don't know about you, but... I've been, my life's been in situations where I didn't enjoy the freedom that God had for me. How about you? Where I got caught up in bondage, whatever, whatever kind of sin it might have been, whatever kind of situation it is, I got caught up in that bondage. And you don't get to enjoy freedom when you're, in, when you're flirting around with sin, right? You just cannot be free. When you're, when you're serving bondage, you can't be free. You can't be free. And so I thought about that, and we're going to be having a series on this. Uh, uh, as far as in, in our Wednesday nights, uh, a little bit about this. And so, a lot about this, actually. So, what would you do for freedom? i got to see where we're at. Am I got control here? Oh, boy. Here we go. Pastor, come and help me. How do you switch that? There we go. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. That's our pastor. Yeah, Amen. You can tell he's of the younger generation because they know how to do all this, amen, and uh, I don't, I don't, amen. So what would you do for freedom? This is a true story, and I thought about this. On August 3rd, 1989, I was on the ship, the USS Ranger. We rescued 39 Vietnamese refugees. They were adrift for about 10 days. <clears throat> And I never will forget it when I seen it. I was on top of the flight deck, and you, the pictures cannot do it justice. Waves, wind, lightning, and someone that wanted freedom got into a barge, which is not very, see how I can do this. All right now, because this don't look, no, oh, here we go. I see something here. There we go. That does it a little bit more justice. I know how to do it now. Seas were pretty rough. I was on the flight deck. One of the planes that was off had seen this by radar or something. I don't know how. And this is what it looked like. That's the ship I was on. That's it. This is a barge. 39 Vietnamese was in this barge. They let loose and they drifted away from Vietnam just so that they could experience freedom because it was under dictatorship. And anything would have been better than where they were at in the providence that they were. Can you imagine getting to a barge like this? There was 38 when they started. One of the ladies had a baby. Ten days at sea because they was wanting freedom. Freedom. Anything would have been better than what they had. 
And they were ready to get in this barge. And I don't know how many of you have ever been in the ocean, but I've spent a lot of days on the ocean being in the only service that there is. I mean, in the U.S. and the Navy. And uh, <laughs> the seas can get rough. They can get rough, and they can, they can get your attention. And, they, and I can tell you, it can get pretty bad. And, and this was a distant shot, so believe me, the waves were going over this ship, this, this barge. And I watched a helicopter go over the barge, and I watched them let down the ladder, and I watched them get one by one in the storm. I watched them when they got back to the ship, me being young in the Navy, and the Marines were out there, and I had no clue why the Marines were out there, and I know some would say that's the real service. Yeah, come on, let me hear from the Marines, yeah. So, so the Marines were, and they surrounded these people with machine guns. And these, these, these Vietnamese were, were shaken. They were just shaken, barely had any clothes off. I mean, hungry, just shaken. And I thought, what are they doing surrounding these Vietnamese with machine guns? And they were just shaken. And I reached over and I asked one of the officers, and I said, what, why are we doing this? He says, it's protocol. We don't know if they have a bomb. We don't know what. We have to search them. They did. They stayed on our ship for about two days, and they probably had a backache and a headache because the next time you saw them, you'd see them down the galley eating, or you would see them in the hallways, and every one of them would go. (laughs) They were so thankful because they knew where they were going was a better place than where they were at. Freedom. Freedom. That's one kind of freedom, right? We're fighting for. Anybody ever watch Braveheart? One of the greatest movies. Yeah, one of the greatest movies there is. That's another type of freedom to fight about. Scotland. A lot of people believe this is freedom to fight about. You got some on the left, you got some on the right. I had to correct my teenagers yesterday. I spent some time with them, took them to the races, a few of them. They probably learned it from mom, dad, TV, speaking bad about Biden, speaking good about Trump. It's not freedom, God's people. And I want to tell you, as long as you stay on one side of this right here, and you keep going along with one side of this right here, right or left, we're going to continue to have division in the United States, and the United States is going nowhere with the division it is. We need somebody, a leader, to step up, right, and draw us back together as the United States of America. But that's another type of freedom, right? You see this all over, protest all over. People really believing that this, their rights, that they get to stand up and speak for their rights. As we were singing that song, that, that song that I asked Cheyenne to repeat, I thought about, man, you know, to be crucified with him. One thing i got to get in my life, one thing, I mean, I cannot believe that John the Baptist would, would pen the words through the inspiration of the Spirit that he would write or say the words that I must, you know, decrease and he must increase. I mean, how, how much more did John the Baptist need to decrease? But yet he penned, he said those words, I must decrease and he must increase. Freedom. How about this? There's true Freedom. Right there. This is true freedom. Freedom. Fighting for freedom. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, verse 15. 
is a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. Actually, the whole chapter is. It states this. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. And I'll put this over here so you can see it. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of Gorge in the desert of Jerel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now, God, in this, just this short 20 minutes, that, God, you would speak to the hearts and minds of men and women, boys and girls. That, God, if there is anyone that is living in bondage, if there's anyone, God, that is bound up and can't enjoy the freedom, that, God, we would realize the battle's not ours, but the battle was yours. You finished the battle on Calvary, and I pray for deliverance this morning. I pray for a move of God's Spirit in this place this morning to meet the need. In the name of Jesus, I pray, and everybody said, Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. So I tell you what, when you look at this, you know, think about it. The battle's not yours. All through the Old Testament, you can find things like this, where battle, where God shrinks armies, where God does things to let people know they need to be totally dependent upon Him. And I want to tell you this morning, my heart was heavy right when I got here this morning. I was, uh, 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 was uh, told by a family in our church that had a, 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 a teenage girl living in their house, uh, that, that they came and got the teenage girl. When I, and this teenage girl's in my youth group. And, and this teenage girl, uh, it, it breaks my heart. I could see the battle in her. I could see the hurt in her. Uh, I don't know all the circumstances, so I don't want to say clearly. But the gist of the matter is, uh, her mom and dad didn't want her. Her grandparents did not want her. They end up in this one family. And somehow, someway, uh, through regulation or whatever, I don't know the story, but they came and got her. And now she's not with us no longer. And I think of the bondage that I see our young people. See, I, I get to spend a lot of time with the young people, and I think of the bondage that our young people is in. Me and Pastor can tell you, you never know what the next phone call is going to be. You never know what the next situation is going to be. And I look at our young people, and it breaks my heart, especially with her. Her last words was, I think you'll find this encouraging, Pastor, is that she said, can I just go back to church one more time this weekend? No teenager, no young person should be tossed around like that. But our young people today are struggling with bondage because mom and dad are struggling with bondage. We put so much weight on them. We allow so many things to come into our households. We do so many things that allows bondage to creep in. And we wonder why we have problems. And I suppose that we'll have problems from here on out. The enemy's raging. He's out to rob, steal, destroy the work of God. That's his, that's his mission. But we have to get to a point 
in our hearts and our lives that, you know, that we need to understand that the battle's been won and it's been won by what happened at the cross. And there's just a few things that we got to do to participate. And that's simply it. Just a few things. We, we, we can't earn it. We can't create it. I mean, we only just got to be obedient if you get right down to it. And he says some things here that you will not have to, you will not have to fight this battle. He says, take up your positions. And then take up your positions. I like this. Our position in Christ is the result, think of this, of the new life in Christ from which precious experiences may grow. For example, justification, meaning all of the past sins being covered, it leads to joy and peace. We're justified because of what Christ is doing through those things or what he's done on Calvary. The Christian position is a perfect and complete. The instant is possessed as it ever will be in the ages to come. This position has nothing to do with what we have accomplished or earned. It is based solely on the merit of Christ. The Christian is accepted, is accepted now and forever in the beloved. This position does not ever change. Our awareness and our feelings about our position may vary day to day, but the, adding, the abiding fact that we are a new creation in Christ remains. How many is thankful you're a new creation in God? Amen. How many is thankful this morning that God doesn't change his mind? He is dead. Let, let me tell you, here's some If God changes one time, if God changed one word in the scripture, he would not be God. God is 100%, absolute 100%, without a doubt. You can disagree with me all you want, but you'd be wrong, and I'd just kindly say that. You'll be wrong that God cannot change his word. He is bound by it. Say, he's God, he can do anything, though God can't do anything. No, God is bound by exactly who he said. God cannot hate, not the way that we hate. God is love. God loves. It's a consistent, it's an absolute. God's word is an absolute, and so we got to take up our positions. And so we're getting ready, you know, for battle here, and we're talking about fighting for freedom. we got to take up our position in Christ. And I don't know about you, but when you, when you discover your position in Christ... Man, I want to tell you something. It gets really, really good. When you realize that what he's done and what he's accomplished, it gets really good. And so you see that. Take up your position. Ephesians 6, 10, 14 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and all the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to resist the evil yeah, evil day and having done all to stand firm stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth so take up your positions think about this and then stand firm stand firm it's a key word in here in the greek the word stand firm it would kind of relate to stakeo s-t-e-k-o as you would expect from the context it's a military term that defines the heart of the warrior ethos it defines the warrior spirit. Stako describes three attributes, three disciplines of a true warrior. Now, this is it's, it's a powerful when you think about this. So there it is. You can look at there. That's the Greek word. Now, three things that characterizes first is you've got to be prepared. How many is prepared today? 
I mean, man, you're prepared. I want to tell you, man, if we really did a survey this morning, how many got up this morning, you woke up and you said, this is the day the Lord hath made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. And you begin to pray and you said, God, be with the worship team. I pray that the Spirit of God would flow through him. I pray that the Spirit of God would flow through Pastor. And you thought he was probably speaking this morning, so you probably wouldn't praying for me, and that's okay. You're praying for him, and that's all right. He needs prayer. I need prayer. Amen. And Kent needs prayer, or Kenny, whoever it is, we, we all need prayer right I start my days off like that I don't know about you but I'm telling you what I've had I've got myself and I've got caught up into the schemes of the enemy how many's ever been caught up into the schemes and I'm telling you what I'm no match for him he will wear me out his, he, he, will, he, will, he will cause me, he will lead me and guide me into doing things or tempt me with things, I should say, and he is greater than us. But thank God, the one that's inside of me is greater than him, and his name is Jesus. I take up my position in Jesus, in Jesus. And so we see this, and the first thing that you would find these three principles of this word is he's, hold your point, be prepared, be prepared. You're not going to grow in God if you're not feeding the spiritual man. I don't know else. I could beg you, I plead with you. I mean, I urge you to find some quiet time every day with the Lord. I urge you and I plead with you to get into your word every day. You're no match for the enemy. You're only going to, to win with the word of God you got to be prepared. He'll wear you out. Aren't you tired of seeing people get wore out by the enemy? Aren't you tired about hearing about stories where people get themselves in bondage? It breaks my heart to see God's people. I'm not talking about the world. They're doing exactly what they're, what they're, what they're doing. They're living. They don't know God. And for you who may not believe this message, and you may have a mess in your life, well, how are you doing? You're not doing so good, are you? You're not doing so good on your own. You're no match for the enemy, so you've got to be prepared. Stako describes a warrior who has been trained to stand firm in the battle. It's a warrior who has prepared himself to fight and win. The true warrior is skilled in the use of his weapons. Pastor went over the weapons that we have just a few weeks back. We got to put on the whole armor of God. Nothing, none of this has to do with our own doing. We just have to be obedient to accepting what God has done for us. And so he says this standing firm in today's world requires training, Musar. It requires building, discipline, and skill into your life so that you will be prepared to fight and win the battle that you face. You have to hold your point, you have to be prepared. I just wonder how many Christians are not prepared. Because guess what? You never know when something comes knocking at your door. Right? I have a guy that works for me named Jason Church. Hope you're watching today, Jason. And he, 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 he was telling me this story, and he felt really bad afterwards. But he said it was about 1 o'clock in the morning, and he heard screaming and wailing coming from his neighbor's house. And he just heard it, and he heard it, and he thought, well, you know, they're fighting. I don't want to get involved, right? I mean, who wants to get, invo get involved in that, right? Uh, you know, I mean, you, you want to run from that most of the time, right? I, you know, and, and he thought, man, I just, he went ahead and went to, went to bed. The next morning, he found out that mom and dad, daughter, 
was on a motorcycle. It crashed, and it killed her. How many is prepared for that? How many is prepared when the doctor says you've got cancer? How many is prepared when, when your child may venturing off into something you don't want them to venture off into, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is? I mean, we got to be prepared. And it's what you do now when you're enjoying God. I mean, how many right now is enjoying the blessings of God in your life? I mean, right now, maybe, maybe you're on cloud nine right now. Maybe, man, you're victorious right now. And you're shouting and maybe nothing's going wrong. Just hold on. And I don't say that to be a Debbie Downer or a negative person. But that is life. So we have to be prepared. We have to train. How do we be prepared? We train. We read the stories of God's word. We read them. It, when I get to thinking, sometimes the way that I think that's not right, which my wife would say is all the time. She's not here. But she'd say amen. Yeah. When I get to focusing on self, you know, I wish, and I guess it's just life. I'll be 58 here in a few days, and I wish I knew just a little bit of what I knew, know now. I wish I'd have knew that when I was 20. Just a little bit. Right? I am really, you know, and, and I told the young people this morning, and, and, and bear with me just a little bit. I've only got just a few more minutes because I want to have plenty of altar time. I said, the moment I start focusing on myself, I hear a story like I heard this morning from a family in our church. <laughs> I don't have no problems. Or I hear that someone lost their daughter on a motorcycle accident, right? I still have my three daughters. I'm sorry if you have any of your children. I know that. I, I don't know that. I'd be lying. That, that is beyond imagination for me. I have to be prepared. I've got to learn to hold the point. Seiko describes a warrior who in the midst of the battle holds his position and defeats his enemy. It's a warrior who holds his point. A warrior is part of a unit. In the unit, he has a position. Did you hear that? A warrior is part of the unit. How many of you feel like that you have a part in the church of the living God? How many feels like you have a part? Now, I want to tell you something. We need everybody in this chilling. Everybody to have a church, right? Uh, everybody. Some might be a big toe. Some might be a little toe. Some might be the ankle. Some might be the wrist. We need everybody in this church to be, uh, to, I mean, everybody to be a part of this church because it makes a beautiful church. Does it a church that has problems? Listen, the bigger we grow, the more problems we continue to have. Is that right, Pastor? You don't have no problems? No, no, uh -uh. Because why? We have people. But we have people that are searching for God. We have people that are hungry. We have people that are asking for counseling. We have people say, can you come and pray for me? Bless God, that's a church on the move, right? So I want to be a warrior of a part of that unit called the church. And in that unit, I want to have my position wherever God wants me. A lot of people ask me, I mean, hey, what are you going to do? Look, look, I didn't know I was going to be the youth pastor here. Had no clue. Didn't, did, I wanted to help the elderly people. I wanted to do things... At a slower pace. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying, I dig the older people, man. You know what? I dig sitting down and just having a cup of coffee, all right? 
Come on, come on, I dig that. No one question I could ask the time, you know, I, I get to ask this, I know every month, don't you want your own church? And I, I get that asked by people. And my answer to them, Lord has called me here to be 100% assistant to this man right here. And until the Lord releases me, whatever this man asks me to do, I feel like that's what I need to be doing. When God releases me, sure, one day I'll go. I pastored before. But right now, I'm pastoring the young people. And I love the young people. And I'll tell you one thing. My eyes have been opened by this youth group in more ways than one. I want to hold my point for them. I want to hold my position for them. Think about it. We need to stand firm. And we need to hold our point. And then the thing that we need to be is we need to understand to be, we need to be relentless. Have you ever seen someone that was relentless about something? I'll give you a little humorous story. One day there was this big piece of concrete out in front of the first church I pastored. And we tore off the overhang and we made the entrance. We kind of moved it over here to the left. So this big piece of concrete, it just stood out like there. Built in like 1950. That's when real men worked and that's when the real stuff was real, right? That's when, man, they did it, they did it right, man. It wasn't in no hurry. They did it right. Well, we had a deacon named Mr. Owens and he was about 90-something. He, he kept telling me, he said, that's just sore to my eyes. I wish we'd do something about that I said all right I'm gonna take care of it Mr. Owens I'm gonna get a sledgehammer and I'm gonna start working on it he laughed at me he said you're you're you can't do that don't tell me I can't do something don't tell me I'm a diabetic and I can't have sugar don't tell me that that rebellious nature comes into me and give me a piece of cake give me some pecan pie give me some cherry pie I mean you know what I'm saying don't tell me I can't do that I got that sledgehammer I went out there and it was a Texas hot day and I want to tell you right now it's about 90 something degrees and I've never had much brains I go out the hottest part of the day and I hit this thing the first thing that I sling this sledgehammer and I mean it just bounced ba boom ba boom, boom, boom no crack no crack boom Oh, by the way, this shoulder's healed. I mean, God really helped me with that. Said, yeah, amen. So, boom, and it just shook. Man, I hit that thing, I mean, seven or eight times. It just shook and no crack. Man, I don't want Mr. Owens to come up here. He just has a way of words. There's one thing I know about concrete. There's a weak spot somewhere. Always. And I'm going to get to you. I was relentless. I worked my way around that edge. At the very last corner, I hit and she gave. And all you got to do is get one place to give, the rest to give. But when that thing, I was relentless. I was wore out. I was sweating. I hit that thing and it cracked. And I went, yeah. I got more strength about me and I went, wham, and I hit again. You know when you live for God and you have one victory and then you get another victory and then you get another victory? You see, if you don't, you don't ask God for the victories and you don't experience the victories, you're not going to get the victory. You're going to live in defeat. And I hit the last time. I was relentless. It gave away. There was a skunk underneath it and it sprayed me and got all over me. That's why there's weak spots in concrete. Animals get up under them. Yeah, you're going to get some stuff on you when you're relentless. You're going to get some people to talk bad about you. You're going to be people say you're a fanatic. You're going to get people say they just don't know. I'm here to tell you I am persuaded. I don't know about you, but I am persuaded that God is who he said he is. That God's alive. I'm persuaded. 
That skunk sprayed me. You think I stopped? No, no. I hit that thing again. I hit it again. I killed that skunk. I broke that whole thing up. I called Mr. Owens. I said, you better bring your John Deere tractor up here. We got a mess to clean up because that slab is busted and broken. You got to be relentless. Stakeholder describes a warrior who is relentless, persistent, and continues to stand firm and hold his point. Not just once, but again and again and again. The true warrior is tenacious, unrelenting. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like man, be strong. Boy, we need some man to act like man, right? We need some man to be strong. I'm thankful. Pastor, I don't know about you, but I look across this audience. Look at the man. The days where just women went to church is over at Living Water. Men are here. I grew up in the 70s, by the way. In the 70s, I want to tell you when I got saved, the church was loud. Like maybe what? Like, you know, like uh, one man to every six. Thank you, women, for holding us down through the years that men didn't. Now and I look out, I'm so proud of this church. So proud of the men that we have. So think about that. Second Corinthians, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like man, be strong. The verb in this first Corinthians verse express ongoing continuous action. You've got to do this continuously. Be continuously watching. Keep on standing firm in the faith. Keep on acting like man. Keep on being strong. Standing firm is something you continuously do. You never, never give up. I'm reminded of the speech of Winston Church here when he went and spoke at Harrow School. I love the speech. And that's part of that speech. It was not a very two-minute-something speech. I mean, he spoke. He was called to be the speaker. He spoke for like two minutes and something. Listen to the part of his speech that I love. He says, never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. Never give in except to the convictions and honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Never, never, never give in. The devil's going to continue. The enemy's going to continue to try to entice you. He has schemes. He's going to continue to try to attack you and your families. My word to you is never, never, never give in. Hold on to Jesus. Say, God, I don't know how, but I know you're going to see me through. You can't give in. You have to be relentless. The battle of freedom has been won. You can continue to read it in 2 Chronicles 20:17. You will not need to fight in this battle. You don't have to prove anything. You can't win your salvation. You can't win on being better. I don't know about you, but there was one, and he was all alone. And he was on Calvary. And his name was Jesus. He took the battle that you're facing... On Calvary. I don't know how I can't explain it all, but I can tell you everything that you've ever faced. I can tell you everything that you're going to face was won on Calvary by a man named Jesus. Second Chronicles 20 says, You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still. See how it's speaking to us. See the salvation of the Lord. 
who is with you. How many's ever just been relentless and you stood on to something? You mean you stood on that promise and it didn't happen at, fa- at first. It didn't happen and maybe a year passed, maybe two years, I don't know. But how many stood still? And as long as you were standing God, it might have took a year or two, but how many of you have seen victories that have come to pass? Whoa, give God a hand. Give God. His word doesn't lie. His word is truth. Come on, group. In closing, we have to have true resolve to live in freedom. Resolve is to decide firmly on a course of action. We got to have true resolve that we're going to take God at His word. If you're trying to fight the battle within your own strength, once again, how's that working out for you? It's not working too good, I promise you. It's not working too good. I never dream in imagine years why somebody couldn't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you look at their life and you see where they're at. And you're like, man, you're doing a real good job. You might want to try to, right? You might want to try to say, man, there's something better. I've never knew one person. I never knew one person in my life that truly had given their heart to the Lord and served Him that God disappointed I'm not trying to preach something rosy that everything's going to be okay. No. There's that flesh that still battles with that, that new man. The problem is, as I try to explain it, is it's like Adam and Eve. Once she tasted of the fruit, then she knew the difference between good and evil. The problem was the battle went on between good and evil. Once you crossed the line, I mean, how many of us here has ever crossed the line in drugs? You went over to the other side, you crossed the line, then you knew. You knew what it would do. See, as long as you didn't go over, you didn't know. But once you knew, the battle begun because you wanted it again. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe you sit there and you look at the alcohol, and maybe it's become an addiction to you where it just overwhelms you. If you never would have took the first drink, you might not have knew. I don't know how many people in my life that I've seen and watched die of cancer, and they said, man, if I would have never took that first cigarette. I'm not here to preach against alcohol, cigarette, none of that. I'm here to tell you that's all sin. If we would never just cross the line and go over and get out of our position where Christ wants us, we wouldn't battle with that thing that we crossed over for, whatever it is. As long as I don't know, man, I'm better off, right? As long as I don't, there's some things that I, I'm, I thank God today that there are some things I've never got involved in. And now, I don't want to cross over and get out of my position, my ranks, my point. I want to stand firm in Christ and say, man, I don't care. The hardest thing to convince these young people is so true and so real when you ask them. I mean, it's, it's, you know, when when I was even at camp, these were not even our teenagers, and I asked the question, you know, what's some of the things? Do you know that I had a list of things that were the top ten things? Do you know at church camp that those kids, these were junior high kids, and they hit all ten points? All ten points. Pornography on their phones. Disobeying their parents. Peer pressure. Depression, wanting to commit suicide, uh, list goes on. I, I can't remember all ten of them. If you never cross over, you don't have to experience that. 
But I got news for you this morning in closing. And, I, and, I, and I'm believing God's going to do a work at this altar. If you have crossed over, I know the one who can pull you back over the other side. I know the one who loves you. I know the one who says, I died on Calvary for you. I know the one who says, look, I don't care where you're at right now. This is where I'm at. And I want you where I'm at. I want you to be clothed with my goodness. I want you to be clothed with my presence. I know Jesus and Jesus wants that for all. He's not willing to any perish. Where are you at today? Man, we need you parents. I heard a comment just the other day from a young person. My parent says this right here. And it's like, Pastor, when they tell me they're saying, don't do what I do, but do what I say. Wow. Wow. Because you're an adult, you can do what you want to do. Even when it comes to sin. We're hurting God's people. This world's hurting. And we have a church. And we have a church that's on fire. This don't happen everywhere. There's excitement. God is doing something special. I am so proud, so happy that God placed me here at Living Water. How about you? I've been... I've been in some moves of God. I've been in th three moves of God. This is my fourth one. When God does something like this. But God will do more if we position ourselves in Him. He wants to help you. You say, you don't know, Pastor. You don't know my marriage. You don't know what, I, what, what happened to me in my childhood. I'm telling you what, we all got to pass. Get over it. That's harsh, but that, I'm telling you the truth. I can't live in my past. If I live in my past, I wouldn't be here right now. I would not be here right now because I was a minister fallen from grace. I never thought that God would have me doing this again. But through the grace of God and the love of a pastor, I'm here before you today. Why? Because I'm back into the position where God wants me to be. I, I urge you not to take this lightly. I urge you to fight for freedom. Get in that barge. Push off from the world and say, I don't care. The world has nothing to offer me. I want to get out into the living water. I want to get out to see what God has. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Praise the Lord. As they begin to pray, come on prayer team. Young people, I know it's tough. Teenagers. I know it's tough. I want you to have fun. I want you to live. And be happy. But I know y'all are bogged down with some things. These altars are open for you. Why don't you lead the way, young people? Be courageous. Mom, dad. Grandpa, grandma. We need. We need you.
I pray that everyone that's struggling with something, that you would come and find a place of prayer as they begin to sing. And let's take up our position. Let's take up our position in Christ. Let's get on point. Let's stand firm in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray now. God, as people are coming forward, that God, your work will be done. Your spirit, that the Holy Spirit would draw and convict and touch and move each and every person here. If there's anyone here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would come to find you this morning there, to find this to be truth, and that they would receive you as their Savior. In the name of Jesus, I pray.